0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Growing Up 8 podcast. I'm your host, David Youngblood, and today's episode is entitled Midnight Mass. One of the many rituals the tribe undertook during the nearly 30 years we spent being raised was attending Midnight Mass on Christmas Eve. There's something especially sacred on entering a church to celebrate Midnight Mass. It begins with a more thoughtful dip of your three fingers into the font of holy water and continues as you bend with greater pause and reflection to genuflect before the cross centered on the eastern wall behind the altar. Growing up and before we started accumulating families of our own, an entire row was just enough to accommodate our family of ten. While there was normally a pecking order around the drop-leaf table at supper time, church services were a completely different dynamic. There was no one to sit across from neither was there much oversight for mom or dad at the table there was no escaping one another all your movements and actions and most of your thoughts were easily seen by everyone there was no escape in a pew you had to sit in a row and the safest place to avoid surveillance was generally four or five people away from our parents and hidden behind a taller brother or sister you wanted to be far enough away so that there would should there be an irrelevant or irreverent lapse of piety on your part it most likely would go unnoticed and protected somewhat by the code. It also meant our thoughts were our own, and only God was supervising. And as far as we had come to understand, he had an unparalleled sense of humor. He must have if he watched our pew of ten, dressed in matching outfits, all kneeling with hands folded, peering up from bowed heads occasionally to take cues from our parents. The midnight service typically began at 10.30 p.m. on Christmas Eve, It was a full session of music from the choir, appropriate with seasonal hymns. The hymns themselves modulated from ancient hymns to fairly updated modern numbers, though not so modern that the older cradle Catholics in attendance might have reason to grumble. A 10.30 start meant, of course, that we would arrive no later than 10 p.m. in order to secure a proper spot, not up front and not centered, but generally to the right of the altar to ensure a good view of the priest as well as the choir. The early arrival was also in deference to our grandfather. It seems dad had inherited his father's internal clock, which followed the maxim, better to be 20 minutes early than two minutes late. Our grandfather, like our dad, loved to tell us stories, especially as the sun was setting on a back porch where he could enjoy the cool of the approaching evening and a good cigar, or at least as good as El Producto could make. One of the many stories we heard while taking turns sitting near him or on his lap was that he was an identical twin, who, as sometimes happens, was a mirror twin. This meant that the brothers, though by appearance identical, by personality and disposition, could differ quite a bit. Earl, his twin, was a watcher and contemplate, and as such was perpetually running late. Our grandfather, Wilfred, our Pauzy, was ever early to all events. They both shared a love of food and sports and often enjoyed both in the the company of one another, even traveling together by train to see the 10th Olympic Games when they made their way to Los Angeles in 1932. Both boys grew up among their extended family. However, their grandfather took a shine toward Earl much more than Wilfred. Perhaps our grandfather's ever-ready approach to life didn't quite match his grandfather's disposition. But whatever the case, there were opportunities when their grandfather specifically wanted to enjoy time with one twin rather than both. For him, Earl's gentle, hesitant nature garnered more sympathy. Pausey was an unhurried storyteller who relied on and was a master of the effect of the pause. He had that perfect quality of timing when unwinding a tale. He would usually take some quick puffs of his cigar, as he described the old days, perhaps needing the haze to float over the scene like a descending fog and create for us a sense of time-traveling. We were mesmerized as we watched him visualize the scene through the glasses, which always seemed to adorn his face at these times. He was stepping across time, and we were glad to step with him. And so a plan was made for a hayride and picnic with Earl and his grandfather as the sole participants. Wilford was never one to miss an opportunity to have an adventure and a good meal. On his side was the fact that the grandfather could never quite tell the difference between the twins except when both of them were together with him for a time and their personalities could be discerned. The promise had been made to Earl when the grandfather believed them to be alone, but Pauzy had overheard the plan and prepared his own. He understood his brother's nature perhaps better than his twin understood his. Bright and early the next morning, Pauzy continued, his grandfather turned his buggy up the shaded drive to the house. As Wilford jumped into the buggy, the grandfather hesitated, perhaps once bitten and twice shy. He haltingly asked the small boy if he was indeed Earl. Of course. Wilford hopped in and went on to enjoy an excellent mid-morning breakfast and the adulation from his unsuspecting grandfather. As the two of them pulled the buggy back up the drive to the house at the end of the, the... respite. Wilford suddenly leaped down from the carriage and began running for the house. He had seen, before his grandfather, the slumped figure of his brother at the edge of the drive, where he had been waiting patiently for two hours for his grandfather to arrive and take him on a picnic. Earl was crying. Sensing what was sure to be an unpleasant retribution, Pauzy had opted for the cover of the crawl space under the house to hide and wait for what he saw as the humor of an opportunity to work its way into the spirit of his grandfather, so he would see it that way too. Pauzy laughed heartily as he clenched the cigar between his teeth and let us know that it had been one of the best breakfasts that he had ever had. And so it was ten o'clock, and the man who was his son and our father led us down the aisle toward the empty pew and a mostly empty church. Certain this was to be one of the best midnight services that we would ever attend.